Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Email. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And by contributions from listeners like you. Literally at ElwoodCityLimits.Libson.com. Thank you. Cha-ching, cha-ching, baby. If you got something, go ahead. Oh, I, I most certainly do not have <laughs> something. Um, I mean, is it February first? Is January gone? It it is. Yeah. Bye bye January. Twenty eighteen is here. It's not a leap year, so we got twenty nine days of February to go. Eighteen days till my birthday. Will hope you're planning something special for me. Oh my goodness, Lucas Mancini Day. That's right. That's Thank right. You. Lucas Mancini Day is on the horizon. The countdown begins. Lucas Mancini Day minus 18 or minus 17, I guess, today. Have you got uh, – are, are you – do you have any big plans in mind for yourself? No. I got to get on that, to be honest with you. I feel like January just, like, went by in a flash. Mm. So I have, to, I have to catch up. Make sure I have all the festivities planned. Maybe uh, rent a banquet hall. Maybe get some catering done, perhaps. Hmm, ties into the episodes we're watching today <laughs> on the episodic Arthur podcast. Well, just Ellen don't City just Lincoln. don't ask just don't ask for too many cakes. And uh, I feel like whoever's catering your Lucas Mancini Day celebrations will be uh, uh, very very grateful. I I, I hope so. I'm, I'll be paying them. Unlike. Getting your poor father to supply you with all the manual labor. Yeah, make sure to ask first. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> this is Elwood City Limits. It's the Episodic Arthur Podcast. This is the first time that I've ever recorded it right after that I get out of bed. So, uh, welcome, everybody. Glad that I uh, glad that I did these notes uh, relatively recently. This is Will Young, your host, and my co-host here, Lucas Mancini. You're a good sport, Will. Coming in all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, wiping the fresh morning dew out of your eyes to talk about everybody's favorite '90s PBS children's show. Hey, I'm I'm just glad we're we're doing it a bit early. It's uh, you know, you and I we're busy guys. We're uh, we're living that go-getter lifestyle. So uh, uh, sometimes I function a little bit better when I have something to do to get my brain all stimulated. Uh, right away in the morning. So I'm happy to do it, happy to be here. And this is, um, well, I want to say this, uh, these episodes, at least one of them, is very, very um, relatable to kind of things today, would you say? Uh, I, I absolutely would agree. Um, it was, it's almost uncanny, you know, like... Uh, Arthur, I always think it's to, it, it, it's supposed to have these sort of general like morals, but it's weird how often it's like lampooning something very specific, not just like oh this is like a childhood lesson, but like hey remember in the nineties? Do you remember? Do you remember Beyblades? Do you remember? <laughs> you know? Do you remember Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon? Do you remember Battle Beatabon? Marbles? Uh, what were those things called? Mighty Beans? Angry Beans? Oh, uh, Crazy um, Bones. Crazy bones. I believe there were mighty beans, though. That that sounds familiar. 
Um, but like, and it's funny how like so many of those lessons still run true today. Like, oh, the fidget spinners, goo, <laughs> goo, right? Whatever. Uh, it's just something that will always be true, I think. And so it's funny to see. <laughs> Till the end of time, we're going to be at like 2147. And the next big thing is going to be like, oh, look at this. I wish there I was found... a, I wish there was this... a way that uh, we could like take all of the fads that ever will be and just kind of line them up next to each other. So we could be like, well, what's that going to be? Like, what's that? In, in the post-apocalypse, the only currency will be Beanie Babies. It's got to be right, because like, so we're talking here about uh, another Ar- another Arthur episode here in season three. This is Arthur rides the bandwagon. Uh, essentially, the whole episode is about this craze called Woogles, uh, which are these like little doll things. They're very they're very malleable. You can like stretch them, and they also have like a voice box in them. So I don't know how that works, but that was one of the big questions that I had here in my notes of like, so what is this making? What uh, what is this kind of um emulating i guess uh it i mean it is it is the general notion of like a kid's fad but like at the time in 1999 that we would have had a lot of different things that would have been sweeping the nation there was beanie babies there was furbies there was tamagotchi Ooh. and then there was even uh pokemon was getting started so like which what do, what do you think this kind of looks the most like well, there's a moment later on in the episode that I, I was certain what it was emulating, and it was Beanie Babies when uh, Muffy pulls out her price guide yeah. for, for Woogle collectors, and it, she uh, offers to sell uh, Arthur a Woogle for the steep price of $37. Uh, that's what I was like, okay, this is – because I remember, like, if you've ever watched – there's a Best of the Worst episode – where they watch a VHS tape about uh, pricing Beanie Babies. Yes. Uh, and so I, I remember, like, pre-widespread internet, you weren't able to just look on what the going rate was on eBay. You had to, like, there was this whole black Beanie Baby market. And it's just so crazy, like, how, it, it, tale as old as time, how consistent there is something like this out there. Like, I remember this Christmas, I was taking a look at what the kids are into and there was like those little guys that hang on your finger. I forget what they're called, but like those were big. Like I said before, fidget spitters. Like there's always gonna be something. I remember. Do you remember Web Kids? That was kind of after my time. My sister got really into Web Kids. There's always gonna be something where you gotta collect them all, and they sell out very quickly with like forced scarcity. Um, and it's just funny how like clockwork it always happens. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, I I was uh, part of. I guess. Not part of the Beanie Baby craze. It's just like I was alive during it, and I did have Beanie Babies, but I didn't buy in. I was a bit too young to buy into the um, to the collectors part of it. But yeah, you're right. There is always something, and it always seems to change form in a really kind of un unquantifiable way. Anyway, let's uh, let's talk about the episode in specifics here. So the whole episode starts with Arthur and Buster outside of a toy store watching a TV ad for Woogles, and like. This is this is eerie in how close to an actual commercial it is. Like it's so it's so it's hard to explain if you haven't seen it. Um but it's like, you know, what like what does it do? It's like the Woogle is kind of alive in a way. It's like you can it's sh- like it shimmies and shakes and it like stretches and the Woogle's talking and all the kids like have a bunch of them. 
it's, it's almost it's almost to the point where like if Woogles were indeed real, um, I think they would be a successful fad. Like I think if you brought Woogles into this reality, the combination of the goo fad and like talking toys and then the collectability, each Woogle has its own personality. I think some executive needs to take a look at this Arthur episode and make up a reality because I think it'd be a smash hit. They did a really great job of um, of just re- of recreating this whole kind of ad and this toy. Like it's a really great uh, generic example of something that kids would be interested in. Even right down to the theme song uh, in the commercial. And so they both see this, and Arthur just kind of immediately laughs. I was like, "Ha, Woogles! Who could ever like something so stupid?" And then it cuts to Buster, and he's immediately bought one. <laughs> so that's and that's how it started it's kind of like buster i mean I, he's not the first one to get a woogle but in arthur's case he is like patient zero for woogles <laughs> um and so the whole thing they seemed and woogles so they are kind of they kind of remind me of crazy bones in, in a little in a little way see our last so, episode so- Will, uh, yeah, refresh my memory. What are Crazy Bones again? All right, so I talked about Crazy Bones in the last episode, yeah. but they're these, like, little plastic things that kind of serve as, like, they're almost like a, a jacks or marbles with an attitude. Like, they all have, kind of like Woogles, they all have their sa- like their own face and their own kind of, like, personality. They're just much smaller, and they're meant to be, like, used in games. Woogles are kind of more like a Furby in that each of them has their own name and kind of their own little personality. Uh, they seem to, I said, they seem to have the exact appeal of pop vinyls, but they seem to have a little bit more of use than, they could do more than pop vinyls. Uh, I need to, I need to get my supernatural woogle, uh, my, oh god, what a, my Doctor Who woogle. Your Overwatch uh, woogle. Yeah, my Overwatch woogle, ugh, oofa doofa. Hey, I, I mean, listen. I, I say that they're more useful than pop vinyls. I have a couple pop vinyls myself, so I can't. Ex- I, I, mean, I can't exactly throw shade here. Let's, yeah, let's. I mean, I'm gonna come clean. I also have a couple pop vinyls. I don't think I purchased either of them, but I do have them in my home. Um, which ones do? You, which ones do you have? Oh my goodness gracious! This is so embarrassing. I feel like a recover. I I I feel like I'm <laughs> owning up to some grand embarrassing thing. Listen, I don't want listeners out there. I don't want to be known as the guy with the pop vitals. Okay, like I sure I have them, but I'm not like one of these dudes who are like waiting outside the EB Games to get my exclusive. Oh God! Like I don't know. Like okay, is... okay, okay. Calm, calm uh, down, calm down. I'm just saying I don't want to be the pop final guy. I have an Audrey the Giant one, and I have um, Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones. I know, I know, it's super lame. I'm trying to get into way into Nendroids though. That's my new thing. Is they're a lot more expensive and better quality than pop finals. Have you heard of Nendroids? Will they're like uh, a, a a Japanese product. Um, and so they're like chibi versions of, it's very similar to pop vinyl, except that they're, uh, posable and you can swap out the faces and they're very well made to the point where they're like 50 bucks each, whereas pop vinyls are like 15. Um, but, uh, there's as, as someone who has been known to watch a, uh, a Japanimation or two, uh, there's a couple I've got my eye on for the Nendroids. No, this is the first time I'm, uh, I'm seeing them. Uh, as I look them up here on Google, and of course, I—I I mean, I'll put my money where my mouth is. I got—I uh, have a CM Punk and a Daniel Bryan pop vinyl, and mm. somebody, I believe, for one of the office Christmas parties that we were a part of, 
somebody or the Secret Santa, somebody got me a uh, a Deadpool bobblehead. Just oh, so, so we've got so between the two of us, we've got a couple of the most pop vinyl pop vinyls. Oh, uh, you know, gosh. Game of, Game of Thrones yeah. and Deadpool and wrestling. I know, and wrestling. I know. We're gonna like next. You're gonna see me like at the grocery store with a Harley Quinn T-shirt. I kid, I kid. Uh, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. It's good to like what you like. Though, I'm tempted to think about that. Did you see that post on Reddit where the guy's girlfriend made him sign a contract that he had to abide to a pop vinyl budget? Uh, and he'd, like, had a certain amount of money that he was allotted each month for pop vinyl. And it had all these, like, sub... Uh, uh, cases where it's like this does not include timed exclusives or uh, your Comic Con attendances where there's exclusive pop vinyls. You are allowed to go over your budget. For it was insane. <laughs> I I I've not seen that, and that is uh, that is a little too far. I only ima- I, I imagine like a person in a room, like on an episode of Hoarders, and all that's in they have no furniture. All they have is pop vinyls. And everybody in their life has abandoned them, and they go, at least my pop vitals will keep me warm. Oh, that's a little too sad for me. <laughs> so, as it turns out, as they leave the toy store, you know, Muffy has her own pop vinyl, and... Er, <laughs> Muffy has her own woogle, excuse me. It's, you know, same difference. And Arthur's completely confused. Like as Like, as the episode goes on a little bit... Like, he finds out that every one of his friends has a woogle and enjoys them in their own way. Like, uh, he, vi- he like, accidentally sits on Francine's at school. Uh, Mr. Ratburn has one that, you know, looks like a rat. It's got, like, a long nose. Uh, and they're all different. They're all different primary colors, too, so they're appealing in that way. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a scene here where Francine... Uh, Try, she has she has like three of them at this point. Two of them are two of them are doubles. So uh, she offers to give one of them to Arthur, and he like vehemently reviews it at this point. And Francine has a great line. She says she's kind of gasps and is like, "If you don't want to have fun, okay, it's a free country, but don't take it out of my woogle." <laughs> it's weird because. Arthur is also being, like, kind of unreasonable at this point. Like, you can tell he's left out, so he's kind of lashing out. Mm -hmm. But um, his uh, dismissal, I guess it's kind of similar to me with the Pop Vitals, his dismissal of the Woogles uh, comes off as, like, a little bit mean-spirited, a little bit hipsterish. Like, he's not just saying, like, oh, it's not for me. He's saying, uh, who would enjoy a Woogle, those stupid things? Like, he's really, uh, like I said before, he's really trying to yuck their yum. Uh, he sort of like sees himself as better than this whole Woogle thing, uh, rather than just saying, "Oh, you know, I I don't really enjoy them." Do you know what I mean? And I, I think I'm having a little bit of a moment of clarity here, Will. Uh... <laughs> I'm not sure I totally agree with you because from the way I see it, it like don't get me wrong, I do think that Arthur's a little bit too, uh, a little bit too um, hasty to like. Uh, advertise how much he doesn't like Woogles, but I think it's also that, like, he just doesn't get what's supposed to be fun about them. And it's the whole episode, or at least this part of it, is meant to be, like, Arthur is the only person who Woogles don't work for, and then he finds that it's absolutely everywhere. But you're right in that with these types of things, they only bother you as much as you let them. So Arthur's kind of really letting this get into his head, which actually makes total sense for him because all of his friends are kind of doing this thing and he's not. And he's like, well, there must be something wrong with me or, Mm. or like what's wrong with me that I can't enjoy them. Uh, I will note here. I also took down, uh, 
that uh, Brain has a Google named Tiny Eini, and he has a little saying that's like, fun equals you times me squared, which is a dubious <laughs> mathematical equation. I'm not sure that that's going to hold up in uh, any sort of uh, university situation, but... Tiny Einie's grand reveal happens when uh, Arthur's sort of scouring the playground for someone who hasn't been affected by the Woogle fad like himself, uh, and he sees Braid reading a book, and he wrongly assumes that Brain hasn't been a part of it. Then Braid, like, pulls a Webster's Dictionary defines a fad as, and sort of gives us the exposition of why the Woogles are so popular, and then busts out Tiny Einie, mm-hmm. putting him really close to the camera. We get this fantastic dream sequence after this. Uh, oh, my gosh. Just, this is really the star of the episode. I think you're right. Uh, so Arthur is, like, tossing and turning in his bed and, like, the the classic, like, no, no, woogles kind of thing. And he dreams he's at a class picture day and everything's normal. And then the photographer's like, hey, wait a minute. Where's your woogle? And then it kind of zooms out and everybody has, like, their family of woogles with them. Have uh, we seen this bad facial hair photographer before? We like ha- he's a- I-, I believe he was uh, Aunt Lucy's wedding photographer. Oh, was he the like school day photographer from like episode 2 as well? I think he was. Um I don't know, for some reason he really stood out to me this time. Like maybe his incredulity at the fact that Arthur does not have a woogle combined with his bad facial hair. I was like, "You know what? I like this photographer fellow." <laughs> uh, yeah, and it, and so the thing that confused me here was that in Arthur's dream, and granted, it is a dream, but everybody has, like, doubles and triples of the same Woogle, although you can see that on the can that you get their Woogle in, it shows you which one you're going to get. So, like, why bother? Like, I, I don't get that. Why why hoard doubles and dubs and trips? You got to have the ones with those imperfections. Those are the ones that are going to go for the most on eBay. I see. Uh, so Arthur admits it's like, that he, it's like that Samus me. It's like that Samus, uh, uh, amiibo. Uh, what are they called? Yeah. It's like that Samus amiibo with the two guns. See, that'll go for a pretty penny. See, amiibo is another good one because like my friend who is my age has, he's has admitted he has like a sickness when it comes to amiibo. Like he just kind of collect, like, uh, collects them. And I've gotten them for a couple of birthday and Christmas presents. So I have a couple of Amiibo that I cannot use and have never used. But yeah, I have Amiibo they look cool. sitting in a, I have Amiibo sitting in my box in my closet, and they're all really common ones. Mm. Uh, there was a brief spill when Amiibos first came out that I was a part of that sickness. I was in the Halifax, Nova Scotia Amiibo Collectors group on <laughs> Facebook. And then I realized that I just don't have it in me to compete with these people. Like, Will, people were nuts. They were crazy to the lakes that they would go to, driving out, like, hours outside of town just to get that sweet, sweet Wii Fit trainer. And I was like, you know what? I just do not have the patience for this. I got Pikachu, and then I was out. Well, was- got my boy. And I was out of there. Well, wasn't there even uh, like a news item where like they people robbed a truck or something of Amiibo? What? I, if there was, I have to go look that up right after we finish this. That's hilarious. Yeah, make sure you do. I, I feel like that might have happened. Uh, and so Arthur admits in the dream that he doesn't have a Woogle. And the photographer thinks for a second. And then he fixes it by giving him a stalk of broccoli. 
And he's like, are you sure this is going to work? Like, trust me, kid. No one's going to know the difference. (laughs) Then it cuts, and this is the best. It cuts to Arthur in the future with uh, two kids. He's, he's like, grown up now, and he's got, like, the brain sweater on for some reason. Uh, And it cuts to him with two kids. One is, like, Arthur is a baby with glasses, and the other one kind of looks like uh, D.W., except she's got, like, a ponytail and is, uh, like... Eight years old or something to that effect. And also dressed more like Arthur with the classic sweater over yeah. a collared shirt combo. Uh, also has DW's voice actress as well, or voice which, actor. Which I love because DW's voice actor um, gets to take gets to take the DW voice for a little bit of a walk in a little bit of a different direction. Kind of like make it a bit more mature. And mm. it's, oh man, it made me laugh. I'm just like... It, uh, Arthur's future daughter is very well spoken, so just like, uh, he you know he's showing them the picture, and Arthur, who also sounds very like old and defeated, is just like, after that, everyone called me Broccoli Head. Yeah, they're actually looking at the photo yeah. that was taken on that day in a photo album, and he's explaining why he's got a broccoli and how everyone called him Broccoli Head. And and then and then his daughter's just like father. Do you mean you don't have a woogle? Everyone at my school has their parents' old woogle. And uh, my favorite part of this is when he says he doesn't have one, the baby starts crying, and then his daughter just goes, it can't be true. Oh, the shame. <laughs> so they, uh, his kids yeah, immediately... Yeah, so they, they go to run away, yeah. Yeah, immediately pack their bags and move out. And uh, they open the door, and all of Arthur's friends and their corresponding kids are there to uh, point and laugh at him and call him Broccoli Head in a sing-song manner. Ladies and gentlemen. This got me thinking, this got me thinking about, um, I've been uh, getting back into Naruto lately. I only have 100 episodes <laughs> left of Naruto Shippuden. I'm really on the home stretch now. And um, the reason I'm doing so is because last year, Boruto started, son of Naruto. Uh, and it's really interesting to see, like, basically all the characters from Naruto are now adults. And the show's now following their uh, respective children. Uh, and I wonder if you could do the same thing with the Arthur universe. You know, the Arthur universe is so lived in and there's such a colorful cast of characters and they're all so well established that if they wanted to keep the show going and keep it fresh, uh, I feel like, Nar- uh, sorry, excuse me, Arthur Next Generations and seeing all of Arthur's kids, like this quick shot, like let my imagination ablaze of like, oh, what are all these kids like? Which like characters ended up hooking up and like, what are their kids like? I just found it all really interesting, even though it's just like a dream sequence. So we've bypassed Arthur Shippuden, and now we're at Barther. Yeah. Barther! <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so we've moved on to Bar. We've moved on to, <laughs> to Barther. Oh my goodness, B- B- Barther! Arthur Next Generations. <laughs> And uh, we do. Uh, this, and then we gotta have yeah. a movie. We need a movie. Road to Barther. Uh, <laughs> Arthur Road to Barther. In between. Oh my God, Will! I never even thought of that. Because Boruto is a really stupid name. Yeah. I think it means something in Japanese. It's like a Japanese pun. I think it's and that's most, why I, they went with it. I don't think they just went with put a B in front of Naruto. But it's still funny. Like it, it is because like I remember hearing that for the first time, and I was like, it was like Boruto, and I'm like, are you telling me? That they just took the N out of Naruto and put in B, and that's all the work they did. But it it's would work uh, but for- but in Japanese, it's I think it's supposed to mean like bolt. 
Yeah. Like both. Uh, both. It of would them. work for you, Will. Like if you were to name your son Bill, that wouldn't be that bad. I su- uh, if I was I to suppose. name my son Bukas, that would be a crime against humanity. Well, but you but you've named yourself that on Twitter before around the Halloween season. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Barther! And, and like the show, they always love making barf jokes too. So like, oh my god. Uh yeah, so this is prime shipping fuel, this scene right here. Uh, because we get uh I'll just write write down what I noticed. It's pretty much all of Arthur's main friends. Uh, so I see Brain has a kid, uh, with, and he has glasses, Brain's kid does. Binky has a hard hat on, so he seems to be in some sort of construction business, and he has a son. Buster has a daughter with blonde hair, and Muffy has twins, twin girls. So very, Um, very interesting. Definitely recommend that you, like, uh, freeze frame some of these. I also love the detail, like, uh, they're so good with when they have a dream sequence, uh, the way the camera moves around always gives it, like, this otherworldly kind of sinister quality. Like, in early episodes, like, do you remember when Arthur was attacked by the long arm of the law? Yeah. And everything was, like, super big, and the camera was always looking up, like, looking up at the stuff. It gives it this, like, kind of sinister, otherworldly quality. In this scene where uh all of arthur's uh now grown-up friends and their children are mocking him for being broccoli head the camera almost has like a fisheye quality and it's kind of circling around like they've all uh claustrophobically surrounded arthur and are pointing at him and then arthur that's essentially the end of the dream and arthur kind of he doesn't wake up screaming but he's just like just like he he wakes up i actually love this he's like no not broccoli head and then he just wakes up goes whoa yeah, like, I love I love how even Arthur's like acknowledging like that was very strange for multiple reasons. He's that was like, messed Whoa. up. So Arthur realizes this is the last straw. He needs to get a woogle. And but then he goes to the store that he was at the other day and <sighs> and he's and the guy says that they've sold out. In fact, he goes down like a whole line of department and toy stores and they have no woogle signs and like uh, sold out, no more you-know-whats. This reminds me of trying to get a fidget spinner just the other year of, like, yeah. how I had to watch for sales on Facebook pages and, like, immediately go as soon as I saw one or else I would go by a store and be like, no more fidget spinners. And then think about how much the times have changed. In 2018, you're drowning in fidget spinners. I could get you I could get you a fidget sp- spinner in the next hour if you wanted me to. You know what I mean? I could get uh, you I could get you a fidget spinner by five o'clock this afternoon with nail exactly. polish. <laughs> so Arthur's a little bit down in the dumps, but then he uh, tries to buy one off of Muffy, which is where we get the uh, the Woogle price guide thing, which got me to thinking. So Arthur's got like five dollars on him and he was prepared to buy one at a store. And an expensive Woogle is around $20, $20 or more. Are Woogles as cheap as $5 in stores? That's what I was wondering, too, because the Muffy, the rare one, was 37 right? So... It was, I, think it was, I think it was like 27 but yeah, somewhere around there. I guess I always assumed they were like pretty equivalent to like Funko Pops or like Bionicles, where they'd be like around 15 Yeah. Uh, but he did only have 5 so I don't know. Manufacturing costs alone. Um... So Arthur is, again, very desperate at this point, and he refuses to pay that much for uh, the Woogle. 
and then he goes by this kind of like kiosk that, that he passes by and he sees a an advertisement yeah, it, that it, says it reminds me of like a, a weekend market like a uh, uh, like a merchant stand or like a uh, 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 like a flea market salesperson like just the layout uh, and the guy behind the counter it doesn't seem like an actual storefront more so like oh it was like flea market Saturday and then this guy is selling he's selling something that ends in oogle and arthur immediately throws down his five dollars because he thinks it's a woogle but it's actually looks to be something homemade called a poogle and i liked this arthur man arthur you gotta read the amazon reviews what are you doing bud and i liked this because we hardly ever like in you know kids show episodes about fads uh, you hardly get into the fact of knockoffs because i of, know like it's such it's a such cool a- thing it's such an on-the-nose parody of, like, fads, because you're right. Like, they're all... I remember... I don't know if you remember this, Will, but Chinese Beyblades... I've had many Chinese Beyblades in my day that were not official trademark Beyblade ba- brand Beyblades, but they would still work, and they would always break your, like, Beyblade launcher thingy. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, for example... Uh, I don't think I've said this... I don't think I've told this on the show. For Christmas... Um, my mother-in-law got me a what I thought was an NES classic, and then I plugged it in and looked at the box, and it turns out I got a Chinese knockoff. Did it have like, um, like Venetian blinds and a bunch of weird stuff on it? What was? It? I'm very curious about. It's this. got it's got like 500 games on it. Most of it are like dupes, and some of it are is like the actual games, but it's like Rockman Two, Rockman Three, Rockman Four, and like you know. Uh, Super Mario Dream World or something like that. Ooh, that's so, odd. It is. It's like it's a. Re- I'm really glad that I have it. It's because it's hilarious. But you know, NES Classic also very hard to find. Also, also make sure that uh, you give the box a good look over before you before you throw down your money, which is what Arthur didn't do, and he ends up buying a Poogle. And what it re- what it is, it's like it. It's kind of vaguely shaped like a Woogle, but it's also like made out of some kind of hard substance, and it's got like these weird little uh uh like arms and legs attached to it and they kind of just hang down so like the 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 poogle is rock hard uh it does not squish or jiggle like a woogle uh it does not speak um and that's and its expression is unchanging and there's only one it seems this kind of puke green um and they're also kind of in a like a mr potato head shape it's it's really pathetic looking. Like it just looks like a fat, well, distended woogle corpse. So there's this moment where Arthur's trying to pass off that his poogle is a woogle named Charles, and uh, Muffy's sort of displaying all the things a woogle could do that a poogle can't. Uh, and the part that made me laugh out loud was when she squishes the woogle, and it's like I love you. And Arthur tries to do it with uh, the poogle, and it just kind of lets out like a <sighs> yeah, like a. <sighs> <laughs> it's funny now like that's so funny yeah <laughs> so and then uh buster comes up and is like arthur you bought one of those poogles uh, because arthur is still trying to pass off that it's a woogle and then and then oh, arthur- and here is where we get the thumbnail for the episode where buffy and like uh francine immediately get as close to the camera as possible and they're like you bought a poogle what is that like like disgusting yeah like ew and then arthur goes I knew it was a poogle all along. I meant to buy a poogle. And then he pawns it off on like this uh these triplets in like a 
three-person baby carriage, and then they just pass them off to each other, and one of them starts crying. So that was a funny little interlude. Um, Arthur is talking with Grandma Thora the next day, just uh, telling her about this whole fad business. And, of course, Grandma's, you know, seen it all. She's seen all of the, the dumb fads that have come through in the last, you know, 30, 40 years. And she knows that it'll end. It'll be uh, it'll be all over soon. You know, they'll, and then they'll move on to something else. Ar- I did like Arthur's rebuttal here because as much as, you know, Grandma Thora is right, it doesn't feel like it'll go away. Arthur says, but it's not soon now. It's now now. And everyone cares a lot. And then Grandma thinks of something that she still has that Arthur's father used to have and that was very popular. And it was very popular in real life as well. And I was just going to say, this was a real thing. I remember my parents telling me about this. It's a, it's a pet rock, which it comes in its own little cage, and you just pretend that it's a pet. I looked this up a little bit. Pet rocks were popular in the second half of 1975, and the popularity uh, reached a peak at Christmas 1975. And then right after, once we got to 1976, once that calendar turned, then it was all over for pet rocks. Ask your parents or your grandparents about pet rocks, kids. Um, Arthur brings it out with him the next day and sees like Francine, Muffy and Binky and kind of has to decide who to show it to. And he decides, uh, Francine and Muffy cause he thinks that he'll get less, uh, less guff from them. And they're like, he's like, it's not a, it's not a woogle. It's a pet rock. And they're like, what does it do? And Arthur, thinking on the fly, just says... Oh, my gosh. This moment is, like... This moment's almost, like, uncharacteristic for this show. It's just such an odd joke. Like, the fact that, like, Arthur's backed into a corner, and it's, like, he just... Take it away, Will. He goes. It rocks. And then starts to shake it. And then Muffy and, like, Francine basically roll their eyes so far into the back of their head that, like, they can't see. Yeah. And then, and then it turns out that it, it was would have been better if he had kept going and, and seen Binky because then Binky comes by and he says, "Hey Arthur, cool rock." Uh, so the so the pet rock idea didn't really work out either. Uh, he meets Buster the next day, who I must say I'm a little concerned. Like these, I was Google just gonna f- say, Google things Buster's... are fun and everything. Sorry, Lucas, go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, I was just gonna say, but I, I, I. I was getting a little worried about Buster at this point because he seems to be losing grip of reality. He, Yeah, I'm very concerned. Buster is openly talking to his Woogle, whose name is Bilbo, and he's like, and then we're going to go to Muffy's after school. And it's like, Bilbo says, hi, Arthur. I'm like, okay, like, take it down a notch, just a toy. And then we get this kind of weird scene that I feel like almost might have, should have come in, like, a different part of the episode. I'm not sure because... uh like Arthur says, you know, it's uh, it's been a while since you and I have actually done anything. It's just been woogle, woogle, woogle day and night. It's like, I bet you couldn't give that thing up if you tried. And the Buster's like, yes, I can. I could, I could throw it away and not think for a second. And then Arthur's like, are you sure? And then Buster trashes it. And then we kind of see that it was Arthur's diabolical plan to get his hands on Buster's woogle as they, like, struggle for it in the trash. So... And then eventually, like, Arthur is just revealing that he's getting even more desperate to get a woogle. And he says, I've never even held one. And Buster finally lets him hold his woogle for two seconds. And we get this great shot of, like, uh, Arthur getting to hold Buster's woogle. And then, like, 
the world slows down. We get this like slow spin as Arthur is like in complete ecstasy. Like he finally gets the thing that he's been looking for. <laughs> and then and a Buster snatches it away. So and then and then that scene kind of just ends and everything's okay. Like it's it's a li- it's a little strange. Well, I don't know about okay. It seems that Buster might be a little bit addicted to Woogles. Yeah. He's uh letting everything else in his life go the wayside. <laughs> uh yeah, I guess okay is a relative term. Uh Again, the next scene is also something that I thought maybe we'd get a little bit earlier where uh, Bust, uh, Arthur comes up to Binky in the lunchroom and he says, I'm glad that I'm not the only one who n- doesn't have a woogle. And Binky says, yeah, those things are so dorky. You couldn't pay me to have one. And then all of a sudden, Muffy, Muffy comes in the shot. She has a double of another woogle that she already has and then just gives it to Binky. And I'm thinking, like, why didn't she give it to Arthur? Oh, yeah. Why didn't she? Why didn't like? Why isn't she gifted one to Arthur as well? Like, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, and then and then Binky immediately loves it because it's a Woogle that burps, which I thought was it keeping in character with Binky. And then finally, the ending of the episode is Arthur playing by himself because again he doesn't have a Woogle, so he feels kind of left out, like so he can't play with anybody else. And Francine sees him playing by himself and offers him one of her Woogles again. But he has to admit that he's always liked Woogles and was wrong to ever dislike them or something to that effect. This is, this is funny. It's like funny that Francine would do this. It's it. I mean, it is kind of keeping in character, but it is pretty mean. Uh, Arthur is it's, like... It's, it's almost like it's got like a there will be blood stint to it of like, God is a superstition, Eli. Like, it, it's not quite <laughs> that malicious, but... That's, uh, a, that's a good Daniel Plainview. I like that. I have I have a friend and we just talk like Daniel Plainview to each other constantly. Um, that's that's one of a go that's one of my go to impressions. One night I will come to you <laughs> and I will take your woogle. And just as simple as that. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if I say I'm a woogle man, I think you believe me. <laughs> Sorry, that really caught me off guard. I'm sure I peaked my audio with that one. Uh, <laughs> I say I'm a woogle man. <laughs> oh God, that's good. Keep that one. There will be there will be woogles. There will be. Woogles. Let's say that you have a woogle, <laughs> and, I, and I have a straw. Anyway, uh, so Arthur almost gives in a couple of times. Uh, to this, and then, but still, uh, sorry, he almost says what Francine wants him to say, but then immediately just goes, "No, I still think they're dweeby. Anything's more fun than a woogle." In fact, and he takes the lid off of his glass juice cap and says, uh, "I bet even this is more fun than a woogle." And he starts to click it like you can do with most of those, and then this I kind of felt was a little bit of an on the nose uh, ending to this whole thing. Of, I was, like, I was one fab just going to say. Another. I was just going to say, we were on the exact same page here. This is kind of where the episode lost me. A little bit. Because like, finally, you see that the episode is a commentary on like how quickly fads go, how intense they are, and then how they end, and some, and they all go on to something else. And then Arthur starts clicking the juice cap, and then everybody, like every single person in the playground like looks up and sees what he's doing. And 
like he's still clicking the juice cap and then everybody walks over is like well where'd you get that i want one and then they're like throwing their woogles on the ground i'm just like okay i know it's i know it's a cartoon but like we had some really good points about like fad culture and everything like that and then this is kind of like uh a little bit too far into the realm of silly i guess it's just so lame yeah. like the juice cap is just so lame think about all the things the woogle could do it chibis it shakes it talks the juice cap it clicks and i hate it uh, like i don't like the noise i think about how like sticky a used juice cap would be from a glass bottle uh i i'm just not a fan i like i see what they were going for like like you said it's very obviously like a commentary on how like don't worry about fads too much because they go away and everybody always moves on to the next thing. I just wish they picked something a little bit more interesting to be the next thing. Maybe like some sort of trading card game or something like that. But I think what they wanted to do was make it so it was something that Arthur started uh, and also something that was not like a corporatized, like manufactured product, more so of a found fad. Yeah, and I think and I think the message was like, you know, uh, you know, kids, if you're if you're left out of a fad, like, don't worry, it'll like it'll pass on to something else. And then, like, I think the also the idea was that, like, oh, a fad can be anything, anything silly. It's like even juice caps can be a fad. And that's how kind of inherently dumb they are. I will say I do like clicking juice caps, so I can't follow you there. In fact, it's a little bit like almost like having a fidget spinner. It's like a thing to just do with your thumb. But uh, I'll 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 be careful not to click a juice cap in your company. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I, I'll admit I'm the weird one when it comes to that. It's a. It's just a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, fair enough. It might just be the sound of it. And then the end of the episode is Arthur finally getting a woogle from Grandma for like a good report card. And then he's like, and then he's like, "Gee, Grandma, thanks." But now we're on to juice caps, and I just this was <laughs> like crazy. I was like, "Wow, you ungrateful!" Like, I he can think that. But to immediately say it out loud as his grandma gives him a present, I was just ag- aghast with like the rudeness of it all. And then, and then we see at the end everybody's playing with juice caps, and then there's a sale on Woogles at the toy store. All right, and now a word from us kids. <laughs> Uh, did you see this one? Yeah, I did. I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed this word from us kids. Uh, so basically, they have all these arts and crafts materials, and the kids are basically instructed to make their own set of like toys. Um, and it's really interesting. The kids are super creative. I'm not sure how much of the direction they got with this stuff, but some of them are able to make some pretty functional toys out of like typical construction materials, like bouncy balls and and pipe cleaners and stuff you would have in a small elementary school classroom. Um, some kids, like, they make a series of, like, bugs that are collectible and different and all have different names. Uh, some to- kids make animals. Like, one can spin, one can jump. Uh, the other th- – there's one set of kids that I was like, okay, guys, like, maybe you have to use your imagination a little too much to have fun with these. Those were the kids that made the plate sp- uh, space station. Oh, you mean, like, do you mean the kids who made the XL Thruster 98 and the Interstar? Uh, or or paper plates? Yes, yeah. I do mean those kids. <laughs> um, like, it's like, you guys have great imaginations, power to you, but I do not think anyone else would enjoy playing with these plates as much as you two. Maybe, um, maybe not. 
Another little note about this one, besides how uh, how surprised I was by how creative the kids were and how like crafty they were, like those two girls that made the apartment building for their bugs. Um, I'll also say that it's funny how fashion comes back in style. Like the kid rocking the champion T-shirt, you could <laughs> buy that T-shirt now at like Urban Outfitters for like forty bucks. Wow! And it's just funny how like yeah, like that retro like '90s T-shirt swag has come back into style. And that kid's chill, killing it with a champion T-shirt. Yeah, I, w- I do want to give a quick shout out to a couple of the things that I really liked here. I, I did think overall these were these were pretty creative. Uh, the uh, the kids who made the elastic ball I thought was cool because it actually bounces. To um, this day, I still do not know how to make an elastic ball. Me neither. Um, the, I've a, always been always. I've always been confused. Like, do you just use elastics, or do you start with like a much much smaller ball and start the wrapping of the elastics around that? That's always been my misconception about elastic balls. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, the tennis ball animals I thought were really cool, as you kind of mentioned before, and the one at the end, the uh, the game where you knock down the cans with the paper plates. I thought that was a cool idea. Another note before you continue about the tennis ball animals, there's a great moment where they're talking to each other, and one kid does this great voice where he's like, your head is nothing but hollow, to, like, mess with the other kid, I guess, with the tennis ball. Yeah, the kid's really trying to trying out his, his B material on that one. And now, back to Arthur! All right, so... Now we go on to our second story here. It's Dad's Dessert Dilemma. And in fact, Dad is the one who starts off the cold open. He's making something in his kitchen, and he's and he kind of looks at the camera and is like, oh, you must be looking for Arthur. I think he's doing his homework. And then we get this awesome cutaway where Arthur has a plate of cookies and then eventually like just upturns them into his mouth. It's just this great running gag how like when anybody else has control of the show, Arthur's like this notorious chow hound. <laughs> I love it. I also like Arthur's dad pulling the classic, oh, I didn't see you there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He's trying to make something called cinnamon toast souffle, which uh, compared to all the other stuff that he's making in this episode uh, of his own accord, I'd try cinnamon toast souffle. No, it does sound pretty good, but the the problems you'd run into are very realistic in that cinnamon toast souffle is fine except getting it out of the toaster because, of course, souffle is extra sensitive. And so you don't want it to deflate. And to get it out of the toaster, he's using these tongs, and it sort of punctures and deflates the souffle. Mm. Uh, we kind of get shots. Like, the whole thing is, like, is Dad saying, like, I'm used to setbacks in my cooking. I'm also used to my cooking being misunderstood. So we get a couple of, like, stuff that he's made that is, like, supposed to be meant to be obviously disgusting. Like, chunky pudding balls, which might be okay. I just want to know what the chunks are in them. Probably like chocolate. I I assume it's like the British pudding, where it's like a pastry rather than like classic like school lunch pudding. Do you know what I'm talking about? How I, British pudding is like a cake. I think so. Uh, yeah. I just wonder what the, what kind of the chunks are made out of. That's kind of the make or break of that one. And he also offers them cranberry prune crumble, which uh, no no thank you, no thank you. I'd try it. Does it's not that bad. It looks like a rum cake or something. Right. Uh. So the whole thing is like DW. Uh, DW does have a great line with the 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 prude crumble where she goes, "Sorry, I don't like broken food." No, Arthur Arthur says that. Oh, then, Arthur says that. Yeah. Okay. And then DW's like, "Shouldn't you be encouraging us to eat more healthy foods?" Uh, yeah. So the whole point of the cold open is that Arthur and DW don't really like uh Dad's cooking or his or his baking, I guess. I- either one. Uh, the episode begins with everybody in Mr. Ratburn's class, and they're talking about Galileo. And how it's going to be his birthday, and so they're going to ha- be having like a 
uh, a quiz or something uh, the, the, day, then, the next day. And then everybody goes right into their argument about why they should have a birthday party for Galileo. Which is I co- love moments like this where, like, the class turns on the teacher in unison. Like, sort of an I am Spartacus, like, no, we must do something fun in class for once. Uh, which is started by Binky. He's got a great line where he goes, if it's his birthday, we should have a birthday party. That would help us learn better. Yeah, there's a couple of good arguments here. Like, uh, eventually, like Buster says, and a, and, a, and a party needs ice cream and cake. And we get we get the inklings of what we're about to see in the rest of the episode when Mr. Ratburn holds his chin and just goes, cake. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Uh, great line here from Arthur. To celebrate someone's birthday and not have cake seems disrespectful. And so they do decide to have a party and everybody offers to make things. Uh, Arthur volunteers his mom to make chocolate chip cookies. Uh, he goes home and tells her this, which, again, we get a little bit of a peek at what the rest of the episode is going to be like. Uh, Arthur's mom very busy with work, so she can't make them for him. And his dad offers to make something. Uh, and Arthur's like, eh, you're not going to make anything weird, are you? And Arthur's dad's like, weird? When have I made made anything weird? And then, he's, and then he goes to check his turnip muffins. Ugh. Uh, so eventually he does make something. Uh, it's a honey cake in the shape of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Dude, this cake looks amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's one of those things where, like, it's just weird narratively that Arthur would be so upset about this because it looks totally fine. And it's it's very much like a cake boss cake where it's in the shape of something extravagant. If this was an episode of Cake Boss, this would be the moment where they'd be like, oh, no, it's too big to get on the truck, commercial break. Right. Um, yeah, Arthur's complaints don't really make sense. He complains about getting cake when he originally wanted cookies, and he thinks his dad made him a whole leaning tower of pizza. So I'm like, all right, this is completely over your head, Arthur. Side note. Which would also be good, by the way. A bunch of deep dish pizzas stacked on top of each other. Side me up. Dude, totally. Uh, Side note, I really want cake after watching this episode. Arthur has a daydream about how this will not go over well. And it's like everybody looking at the cake in his class and going, what is it? And great line here from Brain. uh, It seems to be glorifying poor architecture. (laughs) And then finally, uh, Ratburn in his head just goes, I give this cake and its owner a D. D for disgusting. (laughs) Great delivery on that one. Uh, So Arthur uh, like puts puts something like puts the uh the cover back on the cake and then like hides a book by it and just puts it at the very back so that nobody will see it uh as everybody's enjoying the sweets like brains mom bought brought ice cream and all that kind of stuff buster dips a cookie into his ice cream which i think is a pro level strat oh yeah nothing wrong with that uh but eventually mr ratburn does find the cake and has has some and uh yeah, he loves it. Of course, it's it's honey cake. It's probably really good, uh, and like he's he encourages everybody to try some, and Arthur's eventually like fesses. Uh, he doesn't fess up, but he's like volunteers are just like, uh, like who brought this cake? And like I did, my dad made it. Uh, Miss Sweetwater comes into the classroom, has a slice of Arthur's dad's cake, and then says, "I would love to have this cake at the end of our sing along uh, the next day." And then Arthur says, my dad can make it no problem. So here's where we start to get the problem of Arthur volunteering his dad to make cakes that he probably shouldn't be volunteering him for. 
he tells this to his dad at uh, at the end of the day. He's like, Miss Sweetwater liked it so much, I said you'd make a cake for her. And dad's like, that's wonderful. What? <laughs> yeah, it's the, the line delivery and timing on the, like, uh, what? Is perfect. But we see that his dad wants to make him cakes because finally he's made something that Arthur really enjoys and uh, that everybody else seems to enjoy too. So it's a little bit appealing to his pride as a baker. Uh, DW also wants a cake at this moment too. She's feeling jealous which that he, Arthur's getting all these cakes. Which he offers which he offers to make her. Uh, the next day it's, we see a chocolate cake in Miss Sweetwater's class. And everybody, like, waves over to Arthur and thanks him. So he's starting to let it go a little bit to his head. Um, in fact, Mr. Ratburn leaves the uh, the class for a second, and then he looks over, and we see the kids are, like, their their mouths are, like, caked in chocolate. There's chocolate on their hands. So not only are the kids in Miss Sweetwater's class complete idiots, but they don't, <laughs> they don't know how to use napkins, my dude. These kids suck. I also love how they all turn around and they're like, thanks, Arthur. Like, they're, like, mindless. Like, Yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, but now we get introduced to probably my favorite running gag in yeah. this entire episode. Oh, dude, yes. And that yes. is uh, Mr. Rappern and the spring reading list, <laughs> a.k.a. are you having cake? Yeah, that's the thing is that Mr. Rappern sees the cake and he leaves the class and then, like, busts in and is just like, oh, are you having cake? And it's... Never not funny. In fact, like, he goes up and has a slice of cake, and then he takes the rest of the cake for himself. Like but also he, the like fact he, that like he, he always tries to cover up this, like, he's always trying to present them with the Sprig reading list as well. Like, oh, Mrs. Sweetwater, I thought you should just have a copy of the Sprig reading list. Oh, are you having cake? Yeah. And, it, like, he like he bumps a kid out of the way to get the, the rest <laughs> of the cake. It's so great. I love it. Vibing hard with Mr. Ratburn in this episode of just, like, yeah, give me all the cake. We come back, and Arthur is asking his dad if he can make cakes for their upcoming band recital, uh, which it's, it's he's starting to ask a little too much, but still appealing to uh, his dad's sense of pride because everybody loves the cake. Uh, his dad's making something that I really wish I knew what it was. It looks like a log cabin that's made out of, like, pepperoni logs and has, like, a celery roof. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what that is as well. It looks pretty good. Um, But uh, Arthur says, when he's trying to argue for why they need <laughs> cake for the band recital, he says, performing is hard. We need the kind of energy that you can only get from sugar. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then he talks about how one cake is good enough for the performers and then mm, two more for the audience, which Arthur's dad responds with audience. Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great couple of lines there from Arthur. And uh, you could you could have that. Uh, you could have that. The only we need the kind of energy you can only get from sugar like that's straight out of like a like a cereal commercial or something. <laughs> uh, we also get a shot of dad's bulletin board of all of the orders that he has to do. Uh, so I see that I wrote this down. He's making a bunch of cakes, uh, cherry pies, raspberry jelly rolls, and he's also making 12 mooses for Betty. I don't know who Betty is or why she needs 12 mooses, but... Is that the Crosswires? Betty Crosswire? Uh, What's, uh... is that her name? Hmm. Let's do a little ancillary Google search. I don't know. For Betty Arthur character, because I almost... I It sounds so familiar. I mean, the Crosswires would be the type of people to want moose let's see <laughs> betty arthur 
I apologize if this is getting picked up on my mic, my keyboard typing. Here we go. Betty Arthur character. Let's do this. B Betty Arthur. No, that is that is a Wikipedia page for uh, Golden Girls. Okay, just a second. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that's B Arthur. Yeah. Arthur IMDB. And then we're going to go to cast. And I'm going to do control F. I figured it was I figured it was just uh somebody who um I, I just figured it was like nobody. Betty Baxter? Wait. No, that's Bitsy. No, that's Bitsy. Dang. All right. Here well, we whatever. For 12 12 mooses 12 mooses for Betty whoever she may be. So mom's Mom says, you know, he's getting a bit carried away, and Dad's like, yeah, but, but uh, I could. Before recently, I would never be able to get him to taste my chocolate dipped ham. Uh, but we see that uh, Arthur's dad is uh, spreading himself a bit too thin because as he's making food that night, he's supposed to be making raspberry jelly rolls and beef stroganoff, but accidentally combines, or rather, mixes up the the ingredients for the two, and he makes beef roll and raspberry stroganoff. So he has to raspberry start stroganoff. All... That that's interesting. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. Like you would have had to really, really not have been paying attention to make a beef roll. But all the same, a beef roll though. Like, listen, I love a sausage roll. Sure. Oh my god, I'll kill a sausage roll. <laughs> so a beef roll probably isn't that bad either. But indeed, it it wasn't what they asked for. So no. Uh. So. <laughs> Uh, Arthur brings the cake to the recital, and Francine, very on the nose, says, your cakes have made you the most popular kid in school. And really, as is as I would not expect any less from with Arthur, the, the, the slightest hint of popularity has made him just awful. Oh my god, he's a monster. Yeah. And I love it. Like, this whole sequence is hilarious, because Arthur's gone full, like, I'm the kingpin of the school. He's walking down the hallways, and it's being like, how you doing? Good to see ya. Like, he's putting this total put on, like, he's the king of it. Like, it's amazing. Just because he made a couple cakes that people liked, he now thinks he rules the school. Yeah, just doing all this back clapping nonsense, essentially, and then like going up to like he goes to the fern and is just like, "You got a birthday coming up, cake? No problem, <laughs> no problem." And like putting on like his his o- this oily slick Arthur voice, yeah. and then like the next time your mom makes does a bake sale, tell her to give me a call, kind of thing. <laughs> oh, it's he gets so awful with just the slightest hint of popularity. It's great. I actually think this is really in keeping with Arthur's character. Um. He leaves school one day and sees the brain's mom has brought some run over run off ice cream that she wasn't able to get rid of. Uh, so she gives some ice cream cones to the kids. And then I love this. Arthur gets afraid that big ice cream is angling for his dessert turf, as he calls it. There's a amazing line for Buster where he's talking about how, um, well, first off, Biggie says ice cream is the best dessert of all desserts. And then Buster's talking about how if she ever has extra ice cream again, whether it's one tablespoon, one teaspoon, one molecule, he'll be happy to have it. Gets a little carried away. Um, So Arthur is rushing back home. He needs his dad to make desserts immediately or else he'll lose his dessert turf. And then mom kind of stops him and like reminds him that, you know, uh, he can't keep asking his dad to do all this. Even though he says that he loves it, it's provide it's giving him a lot more work than he needs, and of course, this is his a job, so he needs to be he needs to be careful. 
with this. Um, he said, uh, he says, I'll wait a while before I ask him to make more desserts. Yo, oh, this is not great. the lesson. That's not the lesson. Maybe don't ask for desserts anymore. And of course he totally twists it to his own ends. I believe he's like working on homework in the kitchen or something. And it's like, I've waited 45 minutes. That's enough time. <laughs> yeah. He's like watching the clock. Uh, uh, this was, this was a mystery th- for me, uh, for a long time. So he, on his paper, he's got like two cakes, three pies four, and a saturity. It's a four cakes, six pies and a saturity. Oh, so, so even more items. Yeah. So a saturity as Arthur pronounces it, I'm not sure if that's right based on how it's spelled, but what it is, like, I always wondered what this is when I was a kid. So what it is, I looked it up on Wikipedia, of course. It's the, it's, quote, the most famous chocolate cake in the world. It's a, oh. cho- it's a chocolate cake with a thin layer of apricot jam and a dark chocolate coating. How do you spell it? I, I want to... S-A-C-H-E-R. S-A-C-H-E-R. T-O-R-T-E. And that's all one word. I believe it's. Sagitt- I hadn't heard of it either. I believe but I just sort of. I believe oh. it's. I believe it's German. Oh, okay. It's like a very fancy chocolate cake. V- yeah, t- t- uh, essentially, absolutely. Uh, but it seems like a lot of work. It's like a real <laughs> specialty cake. Uh, yeah. Well, that in addition to again four cakes and six pies. And this is uh, basically for free as well. Like, this is not bringing in any income for his dad's catering business. It's just kind of, it's nuts, the demands. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Arthur is going to the garage to ask his dad, but then he sees that Mr. Crosswire is there and and overhears their conversation where essentially dad is really behind in his catering schedule because of all the stuff that Arthur had him do. And dad might lose Mr. Crosswire's business if... uh, uh, if if he doesn't make food in time for uh, Mr. Crosswire's event that he's catering. Uh, DW comes up to him and asks him what's wrong, and he kind of tells her what he saw. And DW immediately starts panicking of like, uh, we'll end up on the street. We'll have no money. And, uh, and Arthur's like, no, no, no. We're not going to lose Dad's business. Dad's going to lose Mr. Crosswire's business. And then, DW corrects and says, we'll have almost no money. We'll have to put our furniture on the street. I love like when I think this isn't the first time DW has been like beside herself about the idea of being destitute. Um, But it's always like hilarious. Um, She then like goes on to like try and grab uh, Arthur's four cakes, six pies list. And she says, throw it away. Your crazy demands will destroy us. Yeah. And uh, they start struggling over Arthur's paper with the with the order on it that he wanted to bring his dad. And then his dad comes out, and Arthur, uh, <laughs> D.W. hugs her dad and says, "Arthur, Arthur did it. Make him live on the street first. <laughs> and then Arthur admits that he was wrong in what he did, and he saw how it affected his dad. So he rips up the paper, and uh, he asks if there's any way that he can help him. And so Arthur and D.W. offer to help dad to finally do his big order of uh of food and they do a little bit of a cooking montage which is which is kind of fun of them just preparing stuff although I, i'm not i'm not I, I find it dubious that they could make it go f- faster arthur and dw being there but let's just say that they did also there's a shot of pal bringing uh 
a bowl of what looks to be condiments or something or ingredients uh, in a wagon that he's tied to like a good boy because pal's the best boy. And yeah, they they managed to make all of the food and it's uh, actually a pretty good lesson of Arthur being like, wow, I had no idea cooking was so much work. It's true. Cooking is a lot of work. Uh, well, especially cooking at this level. And then... Well, especially, especially baking. Yes, ab- um... absolutely. And then Dad reveals that thanks... Thanks to your guys' help, I made a second cake for us. And I'm just thinking, like, Arthur's had a lot of cake this week. Maybe maybe <laughs> we want to cut back on the cake. And like clockwork, who comes in with the spring reading list but Mr. Oh Ratburn? Oh, my gosh. Hash- <laughs> like the, go, it, on, go on. It's, it's funny when it's, like, the band assembly and another person's class. But the idea that he would home deliver the spring reading list and then be like, oh, are you having cake? Um, Has- it's just such a great gag. Hashtag, are you having cake? Uh, yeah, it's, the episode ends with, you know, he Arthur's dad was able to get all of the uh, food done. Mr. Crosswire picks it up, drives away. And in fact, Mr. Ratburn starts tailing Mr. Crosswire's car because he can smell the cake coming from it, like in a literal <laughs> cartoon aroma. And he just goes brownie cake and keeps following it. So this made me think of, did you ever see the movie Nightcrawler? Uh, yes, I did. So Mr. R- so Mr. Ratburn, he just follows cakes around wherever they are. He's a cake crawler. He's the cake crawler. And then he uh, attacks with the summer reading list. <laughs> and I mean, that's, I, oh man, I want to I see uh, the Nightcrawler trailer with Mr. Ratburn's face over Jake Gyllenhaal's. Or, I feel like or, Jake Gyllenhaal would be some pretty inspired casting for Mr. Ratburn. I think he could play a solid Mr. Ratburn. It'd be a departure for old Jake, that's for sure. Uh, and, or or the end of this episode with like the final song from Nightcrawler, like the one over the credits of like Mr. Ratburn driving with the cake and just down, down, down. Anyway, that really made me laugh. That whole that whole thing did. That whole bit was great. All right, uh, let's rewind it back a little bit to Arthur rides the bandwagon. What'd you think of that one, Lucas? It's interesting because looking at the titles of these episodes, the one I expected uh, to get a lot more out of was Arthur Rides the Bandwagon. And of course, we've talked about this before, anything that plays on our childish 90s nostalgia. uh, We were both kids who were sort of into our own fads that would be appropriate for our age groups. Um, And so I did like how on the nose and realistic their portrayal of a kid's fad was like to the point where there was knockoffs uh, to the point where the the fake fad they created actually probably be a pretty successful real life fad. But I do think that this episode kind of loses steam three quarters of the way through and uh, it doesn't really earn its conclusion. It just seems kind of hokey that Arthur's little bottle cap trick sort of turns everybody off the Woogles instantly. I know that that's the point they're looking for, but I think I would have really enjoyed this episode um, as opposed to just thinking this episode was pretty good had they stuck the ending a little bit more. That being said, love the... Best sequence, of course, is Arthur's nightmare about being called Broccoli Head and all the adult versions of the Arthur characters. That was really inspired. Um, and I also kind of like Buster's weird descent into like total addiction to the Woogle. That's kind of a fun little detail as well. But overall, I just thought it was kind of okay. Okay. Uh, I feel like I have the same feelings about both of these episodes. So I'll just start with this one. I really most mostly liked the commentary on kind of kids fads 
that and I thought that it was for the most part pretty well done uh, from for I'd say three quarters of the episode. I thought that that was really interesting and it was I, I think it was fun to talk about too, just with the two of us here kind of reminiscing about fads and like how it's still kind of applicable today. Like this episode still totally applies. And I imagine it is a good message to send to kids who are feel left out of a fad, which I feel, which probably happened for me uh, once or twice, and maybe for kids. Elwood City, listen, Elwood City Limits listeners, send me Nendroids, <laughs> uh, PO box, whatever have you. Figure it out and send them my way, baby. <laughs> Woo! Uh, yeah, maybe we'll have to set up a PO box for the show or something, and I'll <laughs> ship off the Nendroids to you. Uh, yeah, you're right. I think the ending was just kind of the kind of the thing that uh, left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth just because it didn't seem to match kind of what else had happened in the episode. It seemed a little bit too convenient and didn't seem in keeping with the spirit of what they were trying to do. That said, I still found it pretty entertaining and uh, I, I, I liked it pretty well. It's just there's a couple things that I would probably change uh, to to just improve it a little bit. Uh, Dad's Dessert Dilemma, it's funny, in talking about it, I found that there maybe wasn't as much to this episode as I thought there was when I was watching it, but it's another case of, like, the parts of the episode I thought were actually kind of fun. Um, like I said, the, and like we both said, the running gag of, are you, hashtag, are you having cake, was great, and I never, and I never got tired of it, I just love that that's, Mr. Rappern is addicted to that specifically, um, and I liked Arthur becoming like Arthur getting a big head. That's like that's always funny too. I feel yeah, like it's that happened is a couple. Always funny. I feel like it's happened a couple of other times, but it's just so routinely how Arthur sets himself up for his own demise. The, like, well, it's because it's like his character is always so anxious and so worried about what other people think of him. So that contrasted with whenever he gets a little bit of popularity or a little bit of fame, how it instantly turns him into a monster. Yeah, is always just like it's a great gimmick. Yeah, like the moment Arthur is able to relax is when he's at his worst, kind of. Um, and the, the the structure of the episode, I felt, wasn't really super strong. Like, uh, I, I, I don't know, it's kind, of, it's kind of hard to communicate, but like the whole story, the, the meat and potatoes of it was not exactly what kept me coming back. I just kind of liked the little interactions of, you know, Arthur being cool. Or, to be honest with you, seeing the types of different desserts. I thought that this was a... Uh, in terms of the visuals of all of the desserts and even the weird ones that dad was making. I found those actually really interesting uh, to look at and think about. And it made, it made me hungry. I actually realized I haven't eaten anything today, so I better get on that relatively soon. But yeah, it was uh, it, it, it's okay. I'd say I like it a little bit less than Arthur Rides the Bandwagon, but it's it's totally fine. Interesting. I really liked Dad's Dessert Dilemma, and it's not just because I like alliteration. It's because, like, uh, my favorite Arthur episodes are the ones that I find the moral is really well executed and it resonates, but they also have, like, it's not purely serious. They always have those funny, like, out-there Arthur jokes sprinkled throughout that I really get a lot from of. And I find this episode really delivers on both those aspects. In one sense, I really enjoy the characterization of Arthur's dad in this episode. The fact that um, he's sort of working himself to the bone uh, and really overworking himself, but he's willing to do it because he's happy, even though Arthur's taking advantage at him, 
uh, advantage of him. He's happy that Arthur's finally taking an interest in his work, and he feels popular and wanted, and so he wants to do all this baking for Arthur. I thought that was really realistic in the way that, you know, Arthur and DW have always sort of scoffed at their dad's baking, and now that uh, Arthur's dad feels wanted, he wants to fulfill all these things for Arthur, even though Arthur's being totally unreasonable. And then I love the other aspect of, again, Arthur letting it all go to his head and sort of not thinking about his dad's feelings or the repercussions whatsoever, demanding four cakes and six pies after waiting an hour. Um, I thought that was also realistic because a kid wouldn't understand that, hey, this is your dad's job and it's actually a lot to make all of this stuff. It's not easy for him. And then, of course, there's that extra added element, like all the little funny lines in this episode I got a lot out of. There's the Are You Having Cake saga. There's Buster going like bonkers over this ice cream, saying he'll enjoy one solitary molecule. Um, lots of little moments like that that uh, I actually really enjoyed this episode. It's not like a favorite or anything, but I think I was really surprised by it just because I wasn't expecting much from it. Well, there, there you have it. Uh, hey, listener. Are you having cake? Hey, you got any got any extra cake lying around? Do you wanna you wanna sh- wanna throw a little bit our way? Come on, man! After talking about cake, I'm I'm real hungry. Uh, if you w- have anything to say about this Arthur episode or any episode of Elwood City Limits or Arthur, uh, let us know about it at the following channels. First off, gotta mention Facebook.com/slash Elwood City Limits. We just reached 100 likes as of last week. So thank you everybody for your continued support. Really appreciate hitting that milestone. Uh, on Twitter, we are at ECL Podcast. Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com, as you heard in the cold open there. And, uh, of course, you can email us. We've gotten some great emails recently, and we'd love to have more. Always, always, always. Elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. If you'd like to know where else you can listen to us, depending on where you're finding us now, our full episode archive is on elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com, L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and on the Google Play Store. Is there anywhere else that you'd like us to be? Well, then make sure you tell us by getting in contact with one of the ways that I just told you. All right, so Lucas, the next time we are uh, continuing on through season three, and uh, this next one I do have I do have pretty uh, strong memories of, and I'm wondering if you do too. We're going to be talking about popular girls and Buster's growing grudge. Ooh, I love a good revenge tale. That's right, and it's all about that uh, popularity, uh, girls, I'm to assume, and much, much more when we convene for the next Elwood City Limits. This is Will Young. Thanks a lot for joining us once again. And uh, Lucas, Nancy. Throw it away! Your crazy demands will destroy us! We'll see you next time, kids. Have a great week.